I wish I could um, put my finger on the exact thing. It just seems like for whatever reason we, we can't get in a rhythm. Um, you know, week in, week out, we'll have moments that, that it looks like it, it's supposed to look and, and feels like it's supposed to feel, but uh, the consistency isn't there, and, and that's that's collectively all of us for whatever reason. And, and we got to get it together quick because our, our defense is playing at a high level. Special teams is uh, providing the sparks we need, and, and, and we got to do our, our job on that side of the ball. Cliff Kingsbury on uh, Monday sitting down with Wolf and Luke here on uh, Arizona Sports talking about, hey, slow diagnosis of what's gone wrong with this offense. And it's really under the microscope right now, Bick. When you have a mm-hmm. game where your offense produces three points, one field goal against statistically the worst defense in football, patience is, is running out. And that led to more discussion on you know Cliff Kingsbury, one of the things – uh, and he's very consistent with what he says after games, win or lose. But he, ta- he, he, when things don't go well, he usually talks about, "Hey, I've got to call better plays." Yeah, uh, and it frustrates people. It does to, frustrate. To continually people. hear that to the point where there was some follow up on that. Hey, if it's if it's play calling that's the issue, Wolf and Luke asked. Would you be willing to give up play calling? Definitely, yeah. Whatever it takes to win, um, whatever it takes to score points, um, that's you know, anything goes in this league, and and, and so we'll, we'll examine all avenues. Obviously, in a short week, that, that'd be tough to to go by, but right. we'll see how things go and um, whatever it takes to to make us you know get better. I'm all for it. And yeah, there's a shift yeah. in the focus there because two years ago we played the sound for you yesterday. The the, the cut from Cliff Kingsbury from the Scott Van Pelt show uh, in 20. 20 saying, hey, what would it take for you to give up play calling? Now, things were probably going very well at that time. He said, I'd retire. It's just not my forte to be a game manager and things like that. I'm going to stick to my strengths. Well, for the first time in Cliff Kingsbury's career, the offense is struggling. And listen, Cliff Kingsbury saying what he did about seeding play calling duties, um, that's really hit people in a a variety of ways. Some people are like, oh, come on, man. You're the leader of this football team. You're going to go down that easy and then there's a lot of people who think good at least you're acknowledging now that that something is not working here and to me i i, I kind of admit i'm in the latter category when it comes to cliff kingsbury and play calling because i i think we've got some evidence we've got some evidence that this team functioned very well when he missed that game in cleveland last year and, and i think we've also seen many di- different incident instances where anxiety takes over where it gets a little fuzzy, and this t- you know the cute plays, the wide receiver screens, that kind of stuff. I, I, I think that I think it would do him and this football team a world of good to let him back off of that. Yeah. There's a lot of people o- hear that and 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 they they see that as a negative. There's certainly not overwhelming evidence that he's great at play calling. I mean, you've got three years of of some offensive success. Has the offense taken off like the Cardinals expected it to under Cliff Kingsbury with Kyler Murray at quarterback? Absolutely not. But I brought this up to you earlier. I think whenever you go through a rough patch in what you do, you start to press a little bit. You start to do things that you normally wouldn't do. Six games into this season for the Cardinals, and the offense has not clicked yet. At all. Again, two games of the last four. Right. No offensive touchdowns. Yeah. Cliff Kingsbury is a human being. Yep. He's, he's scratching and clawing and well. trying to find a response. But, uh, you know, for him to say earlier this week, I would be willing to do whatever it takes to win. If that includes giving up play calling, I'll do it. Winning is the most important thing. Kyler Murray yesterday was asked about those comments. And, uh, well, he had a pretty distinct response. Yesterday that he would 
give up the play calling so that this offense can get going and, and win some games. Do you think someone else should be calling the play? <laughs> oh, come on, Doc. Come on. <laughs> Good. Yeah, quarterback's got his uh, his head coaches back there, which yeah. is the right way to, to approach it right. if you're Kyler Murray. Yeah, but it's not ultimately his decision. No, if things go badly tomorrow night, Vic, against the Saints, and you've got a long week of preparation, and we're looking at a Cardinals team that scored nine, ten points in a loss. What's next on the drawing what's, board? What's interesting to me here is we're talking about the pressure on this head coach going into a game on Thursday night football where even the best offenses struggle to look good. Yeah. And now there's this incredible pressure for this offense to do something against this Saints defense to finally break this streak of not winning at home. And if the Cardinals do not win this game on Thursday, the calls for his job are only going to get louder. And the fact that he has got this contract extension that goes through 2027, I think has got a lot of people weirded out because they don't understand why was he rewarded like that? What game are you watching? What sport are you watching? And so there's a disconnect now in the fan base about where this leadership is taking this football team. This is why this Thursday night game, man, for for a generally you lower your standards and your expectations for Thursday night football. You can't do that here. They better dial up an offense that moves the football, that looks coherent. Uh, otherwise, it's going to get real loud in here. Look, we always joke ar- around about the quality of Thursday night football. The fact of the matter is, for me, with the offense and the way that it is performing or not performing right now, Thursday night football is coming at the worst possible time for the Arizona Cardinals. But the weird other side of this, Bic, is that nobody in this division is running away and hiding. No. We expected this to be maybe a a, a division made up of three strong teams. Yeah. San Francisco's got warts. The Rams have warts. The Cardinals obviously have warts. Seattle's been the surprise, but even if they don't get it done, the the noise might get louder. The pressure might get louder about Cliff Kingsbury's job security, but the fact of the matter is... They're still in the thick of things, and if they can find the the, the panacea to fix these problems, they could still make it's, some noise. Well, yes, they lo- they look better in the standings than they actually do on a football field, and that's part that's a, of that's a great point. Yeah, and it's part of the disconnect that fans are feeling because they are right there in it, and yet it's been so long since this team has put together a complete game. There is so much in the mix uh, around this game. The fact that they have won ten of their last thirty five home games that is just that's. You can't let that happen because that just taxes your fan base. When you get your football fans who make decisions, you know what? I'm not going to go to that building. What what for? All all they do is lose. Mm -hmm. And all I have to do is sit there and and hear fans from other teams get all over me. That's not a lot of fun. So you've got that element into the mix. You've got the fact that this football team is regressing. You know, for the longest time, even when Cliff Kingsbury had his critics, even his loudest critics had to see the point that there has been statistical improvement in terms of wins. They went from four wins, what was it, to seven. They went from four to seven, seven to 11. And so, and they made a playoff game. It granted it five to eight to 11. Five to eight to 11. Yeah, yeah. Granted, that playoff game was a debacle, but you could step back from that and say, hey, look, at least they're on the right trajectory. From the fact that they were 10-2 and two to now, this is not 
progress. This is regression. And so in any other city, if there was no contract extension involved here, Cliff Kingsbury would be on the hottest of seats going into this game on Thursday. And what compounds it is he doesn't have a history of handling this kind of pressure well. So you never know what you're going to get from this football team. And and this is the thing. They are just so defiant. When you want them to be good, when you think they're going to be good, they defy expectations. When you think they're going to get blown out like that game against the Eagles, they defy expectations. Their defense was supposed to be weak. They're defying expectations. Their offense is supposed to be a Ferrari. They're defying those expectations as well. It's it's created a big swirl of just weirdness around this football team. Yeah, struggling offense, eight straight home losses. There's all different levels of pressure going into this game on Thursday night, but there is help on the way, too, and we'll get into that help in the form of DeAndre Hopkins coming back. Uh, We'll tackle that next. Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata mornings. I think last year was a great example of that. I was going 8-0, and, you know, me not having a game over 100 yards. Uh, a lot of people look at it as a down year for someone like myself, but I look at that as a productive year because uh, I got a lot of guys open, and, you know, it's, it's more it goes into uh, a football game than, you know, fantasy stats or yards. Um, you know, I'm able to help create other mismatches on the field. And so um, I think, you know, my presence out there, you know, um, you know, dictates that. And I think last year was a great example of that. That's DeAndre Hopkins back in the fold after serving a six-game suspension for PED use. He'll make his debut on Thursday Night Football against the New Orleans Saints, Bick. And there he's talking about what he can bring in offense. This is a, a fascinating experiment to me. Yeah. You've got two things kind of butting heads against each other in this game against the Saints. You've got an offense that's really struggling, and everybody's puzzled as to why the Cardinals' offense, as as challenged as it's been this year, couldn't do anything against the Seattle defense that has struggled all year. So you have that on one hand. Then you've got DeAndre Hopkins talking about what he can bring to an offense, and he mentioned the word presence. Presence does matter here mm-hmm. because one of two things could happen. Uh, with DeAndre Hopkins. He could just pick up where he left off and be one of the top receivers in the game and really give this offense the shot that it needs. Or if the Saints bracket him, double-team him, just that creates opportunity, space, and other opportunities yeah. for, for for Kyler Murray to get other receivers involved. It, it's got to have a positive there's, effect, yeah, doesn't it? There's there's no pressure on DeAndre Hopkins <laughs> at all, is there? Just save the team, save the season, save the offense, and save the head coach's job. Can yeah. you do that for us, Dion? Oh, and an offensive touchdown, please. Yeah. Oh, that'd be good. Uh, listen, so so I think I think there's there's reason for optimism because we've seen from DeAndre Hopkins, Kyler Murray can effectively target. D-Hop, he's been able to locate him on the field for the people that think Kyler Murray has a hard time going through his progressions, a hard time seeing the entire field. This gives him an elite wide receiver he can lock in on and deliver the football to him, which has worked in the past. But here's the here's the big but in all of this. This is the last card they have to play. If DeAndre Hopkins doesn't resuscitate this offense, it is going to get real ugly here. Also, hasn't he already been doing that with Hollywood Brown? 
Like what he already has been focused on him and locked him in and has been the number one receiver. What's the big upgrade here is what it, I want to know. Well, well, DeAndre Hopkins is a much better wide receiver than Hollywood Brown. And and even though uh, Hollywood Brown and Kyler Murray were college teammates, you know, it's they, they don't have the NFL experience together yeah. like D-Hop and Kyler Murray does. Well, I agree with you. And I think Hollywood Brown has been amazing. It stinks that he's not available, that he's on the shelf, and my prediction that I brought up last week, we'll never see this receiving core together all season long, seems to be taking some sort of some sort of hold right now. Right. So getting Hopkins back is great. Uh, um, you know, not having Hollywood Brown is a bummer, but they're also adding in another piece to this receiving core. Again, leading to that fascinating experiment, what Kyler Murray has to work with. Robbie Anderson was wearing a different uniform like four days ago. Uh-huh. He shows up at practice uh-huh. yesterday and apparently is going to play. I wonder how tempted or how equipped Cliff Kingsbury will be to use Robbie Anderson in this passing game well, against the Saints. Okay. Because he he does represent something that could fit well. Could right. being the operative word. And, and yet, and so the temptation might be to go and open this thing up, play four wide receiver sets, try to stretch the field with your two new wide receiver pieces. People, smart football people, will tell you the path for the Cardinals is to start running the football a little more often. Yeah. Start playing smash mouth football, run between the tackles, and, and let this passing game work off of that. The, the Cardinals play 10 personnel, four wide receiver sets, by far more than any other team in the NFL, and it's not even close. So, so that is just funny because they don't spread the ball around. Well, they don't, and, it, and it's also a sign that, okay, if you are doing that twice as much as any other NFL team and your offense is grounded, why are you doing that? Why do you continue with these four wide receiver sets? We're putting a lot on DeAndre Hopkins' plate, but but here's the thing that everyone's got to recognize. We all believe going into the season that the advance notice that DeAndre Hopkins was going to miss the first six games and come back in week mm-hmm. seven gave this head coach plenty of time to map out an alternative strategy. That hasn't been the case. The offense we have seen, even with the benefit of, of knowing what is coming, has been just as bad as it was at the end of last year. People can't reconcile that. This offense has been historically bad. The fact that they have not been able to score in the first quarter until last week is unbelievable. And it was just the field goal. Well, just a field goal. And again, go back to the numbers. Since the beginning of last season, when DeAndre Hopkins is on the field, this is an offense that scores 30 points a game. Without him, they score 19 points per game. Yeah. That is profound. I want to go back to something you said, too, about smash mouth football, running the ball between the tackles. Go back. Let's rewind a week on this show. What we were talking about going into the Seattle game. Oh, this is an opportunity to do that. To grab an early lead. To impose your will through the running game. They can't stop the run. And what happened? The Cardinals offense put up a lot of rushing yards, but it was 100 yards from Kyler Murray. Running between the tackles wasn't a thing because the interior of the Cardinals offensive line is so broken up that they can't run the ball. Mm-hmm. So they're really marginalized on what they can do. Yeah. And I think the tendency then leads itself back to, all right, let's spread the field with four wide receivers and throw the ball all over the place. A lot of risk reward in this game. If the Cardinals can find a way to put forth a coherent offensive display on Thursday, if they can beat the Saints, they're going to go into a 10-day break with a little bit of momentum, something they have not had in a long, long time. They would go into that break with a home victory. Keep in mind, if they lose this game on Thursday, they will have gone a full calendar year without winning a home game. You tell me another good team in the NFL 
that would put forth something like that. You can't find it. It's, well, I mean, it's in the history of this franchise. You got to go back to Chicago, two cities ago to 1958 to find a home losing streak yeah, that long. Right. That's how rare that yeah. is. Even for bad teams to have a home losing streak that yeah. long. Yeah. So, so the risk and the reward of this game is unbelievable. And again, it's Thursday night football, which is quite a handicap for most football teams. Generally, the home team has a big advantage on Thursday night football. But nothing about being the home team has been an advantage for the Cardinals. Here's the other thing. I'm worried about. Are we sure DeAndre Hopkins is going to be DeAndre Hopkins when he comes back? Well, Do you remember when Patrick Peterson came off his suspension? It took him like three games to get back into shape. I know. It might have taken I longer. He still right. might be working himself back into shape. <laughs> the thing he hasn't made a tackle back. since then. You're <laughs> he's right. Still, he's still that. DeAndre shape, yeah. Hopkins at this point of his career is. I think he's got more in the future. If you want to hold Patrick Peterson up to the example, and I think it was encouraging that Hopkins said, "Look, I told the coaching staff I'm not getting eased into this offense. You're going to use me." Yeah. I think that's reassuring, and it's probably reassuring to Kyler Murray as well. So what's also interesting here is now Cliff Kingsbury has put it out there in the ether that he is willing to give up play calling duties if it will help this football team. Is that true? A lot of skepticism about that because if that were really a viable solution, why are you not doing it already? Well, it that's the thing. It's out there now. It's out there now. Cliff Kingsbury, the coaching staff, the, the brass of the Cardinals are all hoping that that doesn't remain a storyline. If they struggle again going into a long week with 10 days off before the next Sunday game against Minnesota, yeah. that gets louder. Here's, when, here's how he would do it. If he truly believed he was on the hot seat. He would do this as a last-ditch effort to keep his job. Right. And say, like, I'm conceding stuff. I'm doing everything to make this better. If he doesn't think he's on the hot seat, why does he want to change at all? Well, I I think it's because— Because he wants to win games? Listen, there's a lot of people who believe the fact that the owner of this football team has given the general manager and the head coach such lengthy, absurd contract extensions that there is no way they would ever pull the plug in season this year. And uh, that makes sense to me. Logically, that makes sense to me, but what that doesn't factor in is public pressure. And we know this fan base has been on the edge from the very beginning this year. This team has been nothing but drama since the offseason began. And so when you factor that in and you you kind of identify the fan angst that exists right now, mm-hmm. if this doesn't get any better, it's only going to get louder. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how long you can resist Something like that, facing that decision, looking that in the face, if you've got basically a fan base that is mutinying. Yeah. Do you think Michael Bidwell would be able to swallow his pride and say, you know what? I was a little uh, early on those extensions. I was a little premature on that. That's yeah, listen, I think there's a huge question. Yeah, it's a huge question, and it's, it's, it really is going to d- dictate what, what happens from this point going forward. That's yeah. really what this is going to be now. And so this is a, <laughs> this is a crazy amount of pressure. A lot of drama for Thursday night football. <laughs> Never know what to expect from this football. It's always drama. Always. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, plenty of big stories on this Wednesday. Sarah Cazell will take us through all of them next in the Rush Hour Reboot. It's Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Rush Hour Reboot. Rush Hour Reboot. Getting you up to speed on everything happening in sports this morning. Brought to you by Brooklyn Betting. Arizona built for America's dreams. 
Good morning, everyone. Welcome in to the Rush Hour Reboot here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. We do it every single day at 7.30. We get you caught up on the top stories of the day. And today, there are two top stories. We've got the Phoenix Suns opening up their season against the Dallas Mavericks. And then, of course, the Arizona Cardinals preparing for Thursday night football. So, first, I'm Sarah Cazell with Dan Bickley. Hey. Vince Murata. Bryce going to lose, and Manny's going to cruise. <laughs> <laughs> And Jarrett Carlin. We can do it. We can do it. We can beat the Saints. Beat the Saints. Yay! What is that? That is a classic soundbite. From the archives. From the archives. Dan Brewer. Yes, and here's a spoiler alert. They uh, did not beat the Saints. They did not beat the Saints. (laughs) Even after that rousing speech? Are you kidding me? ended Kurt Warner's career. A Rockney-esque pep talk there. Talk about cringeworthy. The kids would say, that is cringe. All right. That's a good poll, Jarrett. Uh, Speaking of cringe, the Phoenix Suns ended their way in a pretty rough way last year, I should say, last season uh, against the Dallas Mavericks. And tonight, they get another shot at them at Footprint Center against Dallas. uh, Mikkel Bridges, I should say, says the team is ready to get back at it. It's exciting, man. It's game one. Um, It's just, obviously, we, we lost to them. Game seven was a bad game seven. Um, obviously, we got tension on that, but I mean, it's new season. You know, last season's last season. Uh, we got a whole different team. They got a whole different team. So, um, just excited for game one. Cam Johnson says they're going to come out on fire. You know, we'll go in. It's opening night. Everybody's going to be playing hard. Everybody's going to be on 10. Everybody's going to be locked in. Um, but we're going to use whatever we can pull from to add that, that chip on our shoulder, that fuel to the fire. And Monty Williams says they are ready to take out their aggression on someone else. This camp has been not stressful, but it has been competitive. And that competitiveness has created stress. And because of that, you're like, all right, let's play somebody else, man. I'm sick of beating up my brother. All right, FanDuel Sportsbook has the Clippers and the Warriors with equal odds to come out of the West this year, and then the Suns sit behind them. So what do you guys think is more true looking at this year's Suns team compared to the rest of the Western Conference? The Phoenix Suns got worse with the losses of JaVale McGee and Jay Crowder, or the West got better around them? I, I think you could make an argument for both. And and I think it's also quite generous to have the Suns listed at number three on that Western Conference pecking order. There's a, there's a lot of teams right behind them that are going to be good as well. Um, I... I <laughs> Yeah, Denver is expected to be pretty good this year. Yeah, listen, I I, I think, again, we're going to have to bank on the fact that the Suns have a a core of young players who have not reached their potential. Mm -hmm. And that's where the improvement is going to have to come from from now. Yeah, uh, of the two choices you gave, Sarah, I think it's... The West got better. Mm-hmm. The Suns look different on paper. Yes, you lose JaVale McGee. Jay Crowder's not here anymore. Um, but Bick mentioned the key word there, and that is core. Yeah. Excuse me. Um, the you got core, a core the, in your throat right the now. The core of a 64-win team uh-huh. is, is still together. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I know the tendency is to say they're not going to be as good. I don't think that the win total is going to be in the 60s. I don't. It, it might a hard stretch to get to the mid fifties. We're gonna yeah. get there, in but a second. that's not that's not the most important thing this year. What is advancing in the playoffs? What did what did we joke around about? And what did the rest of the league point to 
as critics of the Suns. Ah, it's a tryhard team. Yeah. They're trying to win mm-hmm. every regular season right. game. And I think that cost them at a certain point last year. Yeah. Uh, they won a franchise best 64 games in the regular season last year before, like you just referred to, they crashed and burned in the playoffs. So how many regular season wins are you predicting for them this year? Do you think they'll hit in the range of 40 to 49 wins, 50 to 59 wins, or 60 plus? Uh, to me, I think it's going to be low 50s. So I would be, I would put me in that middle category, but I think it's going to be somewhere between 51 and 53. I think there's going to be a significant step back in in regular season success for this basketball Which gets them what seed? I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I haven't mapped that all out. You want me to give you the whole list? Yes. And, yeah. I, I don't know. No. Why do you I not have this that. ready to yeah. go? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm again, right in the same range as Vic, and, uh, and 52 is kind of the number I've had in my head. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Four, five seed? Yeah. Yeah, and and again, it's it like Vinny has said. I think a lot of people, if you're if you're one of those people out there that's going to be tripping about this, you need to get your mind right. You need to focus on the fact that this stuff doesn't matter to most teams. It doesn't. It just doesn't. Most teams have learned it's the playoffs where you got to get this done. You it saw does. the way the Warriors it's, played the season last year. Listen, and and you know what's going to be different about this year? There is going to be so many teams so deep in the tank. For this win by Yama kid, yeah. yeah, I mean, that has there, there hasn't been scoot. There hasn't been a prospect like this since LeBron, and even he's different yeah. than that. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, and when you look at the pecking order and the projected pecking order, everybody always assumes 100 percent health. That it's sure. a myth in the NBA. Sure. All right, let's get to the Arizona Cardinals. DeAndre Hopkins returned to the team, returned to the practice field yesterday. Tomorrow he will play in his first game in 10 months, guys. He last played December 13th in a loss to the Rams. Kyler Murray told reporters yesterday, yes, it is awesome to have Hopkins back, but he is not going to be the cure-all. No, I don't, I don't think it's not. It's just not, you know, doesn't. It's not a miracle thing that just, you know, everything's, you know, gone. We still got things we got to be better at. Still got things we need to fix. Obviously, having him back definitely helps. Um, But we still got to be better in all the areas that we're, you know, not good in right now. And there are many of those areas right now. Hopkins also spoke yesterday and said, yeah, I can help the offense flip a switch. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, obviously, one person can't go out there and win a game. But uh, it does help having someone like myself out there um, who can dictate a lot and, uh, you know, dictate how defenses, you know, play us. So what do you guys need to see from Hopkins and from the Cardinals offense as a whole to make you feel like maybe the Cardinals actually have a shot to turn this thing around? Oh, I don't know. Touchdowns? <laughs> well, don't ask Touch- too much. <laughs> what? Not, not too to much put too fine of a point on it. Baby steps. Yeah. How about multiple field goals? No, I'm joking. No. Yeah. How about that, that? Score some touchdowns. Win a game comfortably. How about get to 30 points? There was a time Ooh. when this team had it rolling that they made scoring 30 points look simple. They made it look routine. It's been anything but since. The, the offense has become laborious. First downs are a chore. Offense isn't this hard in the NFL. Right. They're not alone in their ever. offensive struggles. But you're right, Bick. I mean, 30 points and 400 yards, that was kind of the benchmark when they got off to that 7-0 and start last year. Uh, this year, they've reached 400 yards once 
and that was the Raiders game that went to overtime, and they just fell short of, of right. thirty points. Had twenty nine points in that game. Here's here's kind of the deal. If if you look at DeAndre Hopkins, it, there's a firm belief among a lot of people that NFL defenses has have figured out Cliff King, Kingsbury's offense, and there's nothing left in the offense. It's not continuing to evolve. It's not adding. It's not challenging defenses anymore. And I think we're seeing that on a weekly basis. But it's still a game about execution. And DeAndre Hopkins gives this team in this offense an elite wide receiver who can make plays even if the other team is not fooled by what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And, and that's kind of, that's what we're looking for here. We're looking for this wide receiver to make this offense seem dangerous. Yeah. Jared's back there shaking his head. He ain't buying it. I just feel like it's not... It's not that big of an upgrade over what they've done with Hollywood Brown. I think you're I think you're 100% off base on that. Okay. DeAndre Hopkins is an elite number 1 wide receiver yeah. in this league. Yeah. And, and about- you brought up a great point. He gives you the ability to make plays. You don't have to have 4 yards of separation to throw the ball to DeAndre Hopkins. Right. He's always right. quote unquote open. Right. Yeah. yeah. And 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 the comfort zone uh, we talk a lot about Kyler Murray's comfort in in all of this and 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 for whatever reason the presence of DeAndre Hopkins calms him down. Yeah. It, it, and, it's a security and he needs blanket. It. Yeah, it's a security blanket, and he's going to need that. How about Robbie Anderson? Are you expecting him to help open up the offense at not, all? Not, not Thursday night, I'm not. I mean, I, again, we're going to find out exactly because that one thing we know for certain is this offense has struggled to integrate multiple pieces. Yeah. To, to, right? Now yeah. you know what's going to happen. This has been such a weird year. Yeah. First play from scrimmage, 70 yard, yard bomb right. to Robbie Anderson. Right. And over Greg the top. Dorch and, and just shaking his fist yeah. from the sideline. Damn you! And all is well again, right? <laughs> I'm not, I'm not expecting that. I, I am not. But but again, you you never know what you're going to get with this football team. So I, I guess I wouldn't put anything past it. Yeah. Thank yeah. you, Sarah. Thank you, Thank you Sarah. All rebooted. Rush hour reboot every morning at uh, seven thirty. You can text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at six twenty six twenty right now. Coming up next. Now we've got former NFL quarterbacks picking apart the demeanor of present NFL quarterbacks. Pretty fascinating stuff. We'll get into that and more next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. And Murata Mornings, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata. Hash marks. It didn't look like he wanted to be out there. Mm. I mean, maybe it was the pressure, that, and he was getting hit, and the, you know whatever was going on. And I remember I, I, at one point I looked down there, I was telling, I don't know if I told Jason or Brian, but I'm like, like, there's no way he's enjoying this. Mm. No way. Maybe I, I, you know, but I, and I so I was up there like, just I was enjoying being up there watching the game, yeah. but um, it just didn't look fun. No, he's got a lot going on, obviously. Sure, as you hear and read about whatever. I know he just went up to his uh, former owners. Wedding, like two days before. Oh, really? Yeah, there's, that's big news now that he flew up there, missed a walkthrough, and hmm. went up there. And it, but you know, it's yeah. whatever you choose to do. But and, and like I said, when a defense gets after you, like sometimes your 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 anger and your disgust for things happen because the other team is affected, mm-hmm. not just because you you know it's you. So right. Uh, but yeah, it, it did. It just looked like a different Tom. That is Ben Roethlisberger uh, answering the question. Yes, Ben Roethlisberger has a podcast. Yeah. Who doesn't? In yeah, our audience, doesn't? raise your hand who if you doesn't? don't have a podcast. Yeah, right. <laughs> In the future, everyone will have a podcast for 15 minutes, wow. to paraphrase Andy Warhol. Andy Warhol. <laughs> yep, you're right. Um, I don't think Ben Roethlisberger is necessarily out of line saying that. I did not watch the Tampa Bay-Pittsburgh game. 
Um, I've, I've read similar reports. Tom Brady obviously going off on his offensive line on the uh, sideline was a big, lasting image from that game. But I, and we've had we've had our fun with with Tom Brady, and we've had some serious conversations on Tom Brady and his psyche and where it might be. But football is obviously a respite to him. What happens well, when your respite yeah. blows up? <laughs> It's a listen, pretty crappy question to face. Well, listen, I know, I know, and it's because you realize that in a relationship, things can get complicated because you have mutual friends. I read a report a few days ago that all the mutual friends of Tom Brady and Giselle Bunchen, they're all livid at Tom. They all think Tom, yeah, Tom, right. So it's not just Giselle, right? They're was, all on Team Giselle. Yes, they are. <laughs> Messed up. Uh, and 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 the fact I can't get out of my mind the fact that she had that sage and she's saging out all the energy from her car and it's like this is just this is too much, man. And, and Maybe she had some leftover onions from a sandwich <laughs> gone wild. She's <laughs> like me, like me. She has the same eating habits I do. Um, so so listen, I I. I I don't know how it doesn't bleed into the workplace, given just given given the eyeballs on Tom Brady and and how public all of this is. I mean, it's it's you, you feel grotesque doing this, but there's stories everywhere about oh, Tom Brady now isn't wearing his wedding ring. This is this is the world he's living in now. Yeah, and, and if the if the understanding is that he basically chose football over his wife, every last thing is going to be dissected yes, and torn apart. Yes. Like oh, you chose this crappy team. Yeah, yeah, that's, over your partner. Yeah, yeah, and there's that. There's the recent uh, cut with Jim Gray in which he he basically lays out there that hey, you know, at the end of it all, I've got to be true to who I am, and who I am is a, a guy who's absolutely addicted to football. And, and I'm sorry, but I'm just I'm going to live my truth, if you will. And that's not being received very well. And the fact that they're three and three and 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 they're not playing well, you just you don't know where this whole thing is going. And Todd Bowles is now ask, is answering questions. Are you giving this guy preferential treatment? Are you giving him too long of a leash? Yeah, well, you know? and I mean, that's 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 asinine when you when you think about what Tom Brady's accomplished and how he delivered a Super Bowl to Tampa already. Ready? Yes, but at the heart of it, Bick, he's still one of 53 guys in that locker room. He is. And the leash can remain long, and you can go deal with your marital problems for 11 days during training camp, and you can take off the day before a game to go attend a wedding if you're still delivering at Tom Brady I level. Know. I know, and he's not. And the, the, that the attending Robert Kraft's wedding, that really surprised me. Because you've got to be aware of the optics of that at the very least. And this is, again, something that Tom Brady, these are shortcuts Tom Brady has never taken in his life, ever. And that's why Tom Brady... Maybe he has, though, and they just haven't been reported because there was no strife in his personal life. You don't think we would have known? If he had gone to a wedding mid-season? I just, I don't think, first of all, none of that would have happened when he played in New England. So we would only be talking about the time that he's been in Tampa. And and I just think that in the locker room, you know, a football team that doesn't win gets a lot of blame. Yeah. And when Tom Brady is on camera berating his fellow offensive linemen, they, they can't be feeling that. Just wait till Robert Kraft's next wedding. <laughs> so he's 45 now, and Brady will be about 47, 48 right, at that point. Right. Still he playing. Might, he might be retired by Still then. Still playing. Yeah. Uh, another quarterback under some heat, uh, the Denver Broncos quarterback, Russell Wilson. 
uh, signed that huge contract. Yeah. You want to talk about a broken offense. Oh, That's broken. Michael Robinson, former teammate of Russell Wilson's in Seattle, now on NFL Network. Uh, he let loose on his former teammate about just the human factor. My thing is this, when you call him a robot, this is what his home would be. When you call him a robot, you, how can you stand up there and you know the offense looks like this. You know all these questions around here about you and about this offense. And you just say, oh, we just need to execute better. Let's ride. We need to execute better. Let's ride. If you're a teammate in that, in that locker room, you're like, dude, be human. Please call somebody out. Be upset about something. Don't just act like this is just business as usual. Because at the end of the day, David, and, and I think this is on the horizon for this team. And I, 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 don't, I hope it's not, but I think it's on the horizon. Newton is afoot. Yeah. The guys in that locker room are going to start to turn around and say, wow, okay, Russell got paid. He got his money. Uh, the new head coach, he's all happy. He got his money. He's all good. But what about us? What about the guys in the locker room? Understand, like, I, I think that's fascinating from a Broncos mm-hmm. standpoint. Mm-hmm. And I also think it's fascinating because you can cut and paste a lot of what Michael Robinson said about Denver and apply it to the Arizona Cardinals. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Broken offense, and- quarterback who got paid, coach who got paid. Not a whole lot of outpouring of public mm-hmm. emotion. Same answers every week. Yeah, listen. And it, it got to the point yesterday where Colin Coward advocated a trade of Kyler Murray to Denver. For Russell Wilson? How did that escape my radar? <laughs> oh, you, you didn't hear that. Oh, my I, yeah. goodness. Yeah. Well, and, still play quarterback? <laughs> for us? You're going to play outfield for the Rockies? <laughs> what the hell? So, uh, again, it's, yeah, but don't even get me started because, uh, uh, listen, <clears throat> all right, let's, I'm going to stay focused on Russell Wilson for the minute, for the moment here. This this is the danger of this because he's not going to change. This is his whole deal. The, no, you're not going to get me down. I am me and I am great and you're not going to tell me otherwise. He's not great anymore. He's not even close. Broncos country, let's ride. In fact, he looked, he, he looked, he, the last game that I watched, he looked like he was pretending to play quarterback. And by that, I mean just throwing the ball up for grabs. Now, maybe he's got it. Maybe he's got a significant injury that's affecting the way he delivers the football. But he are you just, saying this is like a quantum leap kind of situation where somebody jumped into his body and soul, and he doesn't know how to play? It's like Chris Paul turning thirty-seven. His Russell Wilson's signature move used to be used to be get the ball. Spin and move to his left. Not a lot of quarterbacks do that move, no. go that way, and then throw on the run against his body. It was something that he did that was fairly unique to Russ. He don't do that anymore. He rolls right, and he overthrows a lot of dudes. And it's, I, I, I don't know, if you're Denver, I don't know how you're going to get out of this. I, and and you're right, there's a lot of parallels as it applies to the Cardinals that you hope that we're not in the same boat, if you will. Look, Russell Wilson, statistically, even at his highest highs in Seattle, took a lot of sacks. Most of that was attributed, fairly or unfairly, to the quality of the Seattle offensive line. But there was also a lot of times where Russell Wilson would be able to wiggle out of a lot of sacks. He was a hard guy to bring down. Do you remember, I, I still remember a conversation we had with Bruce Arians, who got on Calais Campbell. He sacked Russell Wilson like three times. Like, oh, you he should have had six, should've baby. Should have had five, baby. Yeah, because do better than that. Russell Wilson was able to wiggle out of those yeah, sacks. Right. One of my takeaways from him was, whether it's Denver or the offensive line or whatever, 
He's not that hard to bring down anymore. No. He's been sacked at least twice in every yes. game. He's had three games straight of, of or three of his last four games where he's been sacked four yeah. times. Too many it, of those spicy sandwiches. No. That doesn't move like yeah. he used to. No, no. It, it, to me, that that's another thing that it's very, very obvious. He used to be um, a monster to get to the ground. Mm-hmm. Doesn't even fight it anymore. No. Oh. What's going on well. with the older quarterbacks in the league? Is everything okay with these guys? Yeah. <laughs> Kyler Murray is a better uh-huh. total QBR than Aaron Rodgers so far. Can you believe what? that? What? Yeah. <laughs> really? It's been a weird quarterback year in the NFL. So weird. Geno Smith for MVP. Okay. <laughs> uh, there you go. We're halfway through uh, this uh, Wednesday edition. Bick will kick off the second half of the show with the Bickley Blast next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings live from the Ak Chin Community Studios here in Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.